Facing the Crisis with the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. Last month, we spoke of two brief quotations from the Spirit of Prophecy that are often taken out of context, misunderstood, and therefore misused. The one we represented last month is found in the Review and Herald of June 20, 1903. It reads, Little heed is given to the Bible, and the Lord has given a lesser light to lead men and women to the greater light. In our last tape, we read references where Ellen White clearly defines for us the meaning of these two terms. All prophets, she classified, including Bible prophets and Ellen White, are lesser lights leading to Christ, who alone is the greater light. As the moon reflects light from the sun, so a prophet, having no light in himself or herself, can only reflect light from the Son of Righteousness, who is Christ, the light of life. For further study, see Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 2, page 83 and 84. Now before I introduce to you the second brief passage, let us pray. Our loving Father, we beseech Thee to open our understanding to Thy heavenly truth. Fill us with Thy Holy Spirit with an unquenchable thirst to be fed from Thy lesser lights and be prepared to meet the greater light, Jesus, our Son of Righteousness. May we thus be ready to meet thy soon coming without fear. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let us identify the inspired statement under consideration in this tape. I will quote it as it is found in Prophets and Kings, page 626, quote, The words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit, unquote. As we near the end in this final crisis, Satan seems more determined than ever before to keep the spirit of prophecy from being presented to God's remnant people. An examination of this sentence in its context clearly reveals that she is not here referring to the pulpits of Seventh-day Adventist churches, but rather to those times when Seventh-day Adventist ministers and workers stand before professed Christians of the world Read for yourself, Prophets and Kings, page 623 and 627, and it will become very apparent which pulpits are referred to. Time in this tape will permit us to read but a few thoughts from pages 625 and 
6.26, quote, Between the laws of men and the precepts of Jehovah will come the last great conflict of the controversy between truth and error. Upon this battle we are now entering. Many have come to deny doctrines which are the very pillars of Christian faith. The great facts of creation as presented by inspired writers, the fall of man, the atonement, the perpetuity of the law, these all are particularly rejected by a large share of the professedly Christian world. I continue reading. Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. God calls for a revival and a reformation. The words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit. But the Bible has been robbed of its power, and the result is seen in a lowering of the tone of spiritual life. In many sermons of today, there is not that divine manifestation which awakens the conscience and brings life to the soul. Let the Word of God speak to the heart. Let those who have heard only tradition and human theories and maxims hear the voice of Him who can renew the soul unto eternal life. We may ask, was Ellen White speaking of Seventh-day Adventist churches when she said, Many have come to deny doctrines which are the very pillars of the Christian faith. She proceeds to name which pillars she is referring to. I quote, The great facts of creation as presented by the inspired writers, the fall of man, the atonement, the perpetuity of the law, these all are practically rejected by a large share of the professedly Christian world, unquote. She cannot be including the Seventh-day Adventist Church because true Seventh-day Adventists do believe in the great facts of creation as presented by the inspired writers in the fall of man, the atonement, and the perpetuity of the law. God calls for a revival and a reformation. To, such, to accomplish this, when teaching these professed Christians, she says, the words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from the pulpit. Please note, Ellen White does not say from our pulpits, but from the pulpit. How sad that some pastors of our large churches today have used this brief sentence to keep God's people from hearing the spirit of prophecy. After retiring, 
I was once a church elder in a very large church in Southern California. In this church of some 1,200 members, the pastor instructed his board of elders that they were never to use the spirit of prophecy from his pulpit. And then he quoted this statement I have just read. Certainly, when speaking before an audience made up of professed Christians and unbelievers, it is not proper to use the writings of Ellen White. For we have this counsel found in Testimonies 5, page 669, quote, I stated that some had taken an unwise course as they talked their faith to unbelievers, and the proof had been asked for. They had read from my writings instead of going to the Bible for proof. It was shown me that this course was inconsistent and would prejudice unbelievers against the truth. The testimonies can have no weight with those who know nothing about the Spirit. They should not be referred to in such cases. As a pastor, when I give Bible studies to non-believers and in my preaching and evangelistic meetings, I have always proved every statement from the Bible. This is in keeping with Selected Messages 3, page 29 which I quote, In the public labor, do not make prominent and quote that which Sister White has written as authority to sustain your positions. To do so, this will not increase faith in the testimonies. Bring your evidence clear and plain from the word of God. A thus saith the Lord, is the strongest testimony you can possibly present to the people. We might also mention that when speaking before professed Christians of the world, or before any other group for that matter, ministers should never deliver sermons consisting of stories or antidotes, or the gospel according to Time magazine, etc., just to entertain them. Ellen White declares, let those who have heard only tradition and human theories and maxims hear the words of the Bible and the Bible alone. That last is taken from Christ Object Lessons, page 40. We conclude that for every good reason it is improper to use the writings of Ellen White in public meetings such as evangelistic campaigns, or when giving someone a Bible study, or even when having a discussion with unbelievers or members of the worldly churches. Now that we have noted when it is not proper to use the spirit of prophecy, let us find the answer to the question, when is it proper? Turning to the pages of the Spirit of Prophecy, we will quickly observe that on many occasions the Lord instructed Ellen White to send testimonies to be read from our pulpits, not only in our churches, 
but in our camp meetings. Let me list a few examples. Speaking of the Illinois camp meeting from Battle Creek Letters, page 49, also found in Selected Messages 1, page 27, I quote, When I went to Colorado, I was so burdened for you that in my weakness, I wrote in September 1881, many pages to be read at your camp meeting. Weak and trembling, I arose at three o'clock in the morning to write to you. God was speaking through clay, but the document was entirely forgotten. The camp meeting passed, and it was not read until the general conference, unquote. In his biography of Ellen White, Arthur White comments that this testimony arrived from Ellen White during the middle of the Illinois camp meeting and that there was no excuse for the leaders having neglected to read it as requested. Thus, we recognize that it is not only in our day that some Seventh-day Adventist leaders avoid, if possible, the reading of the testimonies of God's Spirit from the pulpits of our churches. For Ellen White faced the same problem. Please note that she had felt such a great urgency that this testimony be read in that camp meeting that though ill, she arose at three o'clock a.m., to write it, but alas, it was not read. It is recorded in Manuscript 8, page 250 and 296, that she sent two large manuscripts to be read at the Avondale, Australia camp meeting. So, this was not a singular practice of hers. In addition to sending testimonies to the camp meetings, the Lord instructed her to send testimonies to the churches to be read to the congregations. Two such testimonies which he sent to the Battle Creek, Michigan church are preserved for us today in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 45 to 84. Even though the Lord instructed her to send these testimonies, once again, she had the same problem. Her request was ignored for several weeks. I quote from Testimonies, Volume 5, page 62. Dear brethren and sisters in Battle Creek, I understand that the testimony which I sent to Brother Blank with the request that it be read to the church was withheld from you for several weeks after it was received by him. Before sending that testimony, my mind was so impressed by the Spirit of God that I had no rest, day or night, until I wrote you." Unquote. Once again she felt such a great urgency to get this testimony to the church that she had no rest, day nor night. But alas, despite her feelings of urgency, her first message was withheld for weeks. 
Among other things, it contained the following counsel, found in Testimonies, Volume 5, page 61. She points out here that there was a problem in the church. I quote, Many of our younger ministers, and some of more mature experience, are neglecting the Word of God and also despising the testimonies of His Spirit. May I break in here and add, we can surely see this happening today within our church. I continue reading. They do not know what the testimonies contain and do not wish to know. They do not wish to discover and correct their defects of character." Unquote. The next testimony she sent to Battle Creek to be read in the church contained a variety of counsels. Her main burden was to call them to repentance. She told them that they were spiritually dead, needed to, be, needed to crucify self, repent, and be converted that the church was corrupt. Speaking directly to them, she continued, quote, Your sins have separated you from God. You must lay aside every besetting sin. Then she warned, If you continue on in the present spiritual state, quote, Nothing but evil can be prophesied against you, unquote. Now these testimonies from Ellen White answer our question. Is it proper to use the spirit of prophecy in our pulpits? If the Lord requested that the testimonies of the spirit of prophecy, rebuking sin, etc., be read from the pulpits in our churches in her day, surely it is equally proper in our day. Why would, this, would it not be proper to read counsel from the Lord in our churches and at our camp meeting now, when it is undoubtedly even more urgently needed than it was in 1880? We conclude that it is proper to use the writings of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy together in our church. One in the Sabbath school, two, in the divine service, three, in the prayer groups. I quote, additional truth is not brought out, but God has through the testimonies simplified the great truths already given and in his own chosen way brought them before the people to awaken and impress their mind with them, that all may be left without excuse." Unquote. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 663. So let us not be fearful to stand behind the pulpit and read from the spirit of prophecy. Who knows better how to give counsel than does the Lord? Now we turn from these illustrations in modern Israel 
to a similar illustration found in ancient Israel. For the purpose of this illustration, however, we will not consider Jeremiah as an ancient prophet, but as a modern living prophet, which indeed he was at the time of this graphic illustration, which is recorded in Jeremiah 36, 1 to 8, 18 to 23. I'm quoting. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I have proposed to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou, and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against this people. And Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading in the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Unquote. Friend, God never changes. His words are proper to be read in the church, regardless of which prophet wrote them, or historically when they were written. I quote again, beginning with verse 18. And Baruch answered them, he pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go, hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. And they went into the king, into the court. But they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishma, the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, 
until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Unquote. Now these verses have illustrated two points that the Lord commissioned a prophet to write a message with a request that it be read in the church in the ears of the people and in this case the church was the temple it also reveals the attitude of this leader as he rejected the testimony of God which had been sent to awaken himself and his people to repentance that they might receive forgiveness and salvation. In anger, the king burned Jeremiah's testimony in the fire. There is a very startling statement concerning our church pastors, which the Lord has sent to us today in his modern Israel. It is found in Testimonies to Ministers, page 409 and 410. But before I read this statement, let us not overlook that there are times when the apostasy is so great that such a startling pronouncement as this is needed. I quote, Unsanctified ministers are arraying themselves against God. They are praising Christ and the God of this world in the same breath. Let the son of deceit and false witness be entertained by a church that has had great light, great evidence, and that church will discard the message of, that the Lord has sent and receive the most unreasonable assertions and false suppositions and false theories. Satan laughs at their folly, for he knows what truth is. Many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy in their hands, kindled from the hellish torch of Satan. If doubts and unbeliefs are cherished, and then she tells us what will happen, the faithful ministers will be removed from the people who think they know so much. Unquote. In Testimonies, Volume 5, page 77, we will read a passage that continues the same subject. Quote, Who knows whether God will not give you up to the deceptions you love? Who knows but that the preachers who are faithful, firm, and true may be the last who shall offer the gospel of peace to our unthankful churches. It may be that the destroyers are already training under the hand of Satan and only wait the departure of a few more standard bearers to take their place and with the voice of the false prophet cry, Peace, peace, when the Lord hath not spoken peace. I seldom weep, but now I find my eyes blinded with tears. They are falling upon my paper as I write. It may be that ere long all prophesying among us 
will be at an end. And the voice which has stirred the people may no longer disturb their carnal slumbers. Unquote. What a picture. Are not these predictions being fulfilled before our eyes today? If Ellen White were shown in vision some of the new Seventh-day Adventist churches that are being planted by the North American Division today, how, how could she keep from weeping? How could she keep the tears from blinding her eyes? Many of these new churches are typical celebration churches. Church leaders may deny this fact, but nonetheless, they have all the earmarks of such apostasy. The noise they make with their music and shouting and dancing would surely make Jesus himself weep. Recently, I saw a video entitled, Are You Ready for Church?, which showed what is taking place in these planted by the North American Division. There's no doubt about it. Though the servant of the Lord had predicted this very type of satanic influence would be brought into our midst, she states, just before the close of probation. Listen as I read this sad prediction from Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 36. Every uncouth thing will be demonstrated. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. Unquote. Did you get that? I must read it again. Every uncouth thing will be demonstrated. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. Reading on, I find these words. The Holy Spirit never reveals itself in such methods, in such a bedlam of noise. This is an invention of Satan to cover up his ingenious methods of making of non-effect the pure, sincere, elevating, ennobling, sanctifying truth for this time. Better never have the worship of God blended with music than to use musical instruments to do the work which last January was represented to me would be brought into our camp meetings. The truth for this time needs nothing of this kind in its work of converting souls. A bedlam of noise shocks the senses and perverts that which, if conducted aright, might be a blessing. The powers of satanic agencies blend with the din and the noise to have a carnival. And this 
is termed the Holy Spirit's working. Speaking of our present celebration churches, not only is their bedlam of noise that they call music an abomination, but also their senseless dramatic skits and other drama that are a part of their so-called worship services. All such drama is plainly condemned in the word of the Lord. God has counseled, and I quote, let nothing of a theatrical nature be introduced. Unquote. Review and Herald, February 14, 1907. If we were to read these startling warning, warnings personally, and also to the people from the pulpits of our churches and at our camp meetings, we may have been spared from engaging in this terrible apostasy. By our neglect, do we not, as did the king of Israel, virtually burn the writings sent from God in the fire? While we have had celebration churches in our midst for several decades, by planning such churches, it seems that the leaders are now making a more determined effort than ever before to promote this type of worship. In an official church paper, the North Pacific Union Gleaner of August 1999, we find the following advertisement for the Oasis Christian Center in Vancouver, Washington, and I quote, a refreshing place for people who have given up on the church, but not on God. Great kids' programs, dramatic skits, no jive band, etc. Not your typical church. Check it out, unquote. The Oasis Christian Center that is being advertised is one of these planted Seventh-day Adventist celebration churches by the North American Division. From selected messages, we just read that such exercises as these are an invention of Satan and that the powers of satanic agencies blend with the din and noise to have a carnival, unquote. It's hard to realize that we are condoning and conducting Adventist carnivals in our churches. Could this be the work of the destroyers who have been trained under the hand of Satan? In this connection, let us turn to Testimonies to Ministers, page 109 and 110, and I read that frightening prophecy. Many will stand in our pulpits with the torch of false prophecy in their hands, kindled from the hellish torch of Satan. And just one more passage from the testimony that was sent to be read to the Battle Creek Church, which surely applies to our church and to the leaders of God's remnant church today. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 79. Quote, 
There are men among us in responsible positions who hold that the opinions of a few conceited philosophers, so-called, are more to be trusted than the Bible or the testimonies of the Holy Spirit, unquote. Now, I'm going to ask you a very thought-provoking question, and to some it may be very disturbing. Which would you choose to hear from your church pulpit? The voices of many who will stand in our pulpits teaching doctrines and of devils and conducting services whose spirit is kindled from the hellish torch of Satan? Or would you prefer to hear the voices of faithful ministers standing behind the pulpit teaching biblical truths and, when appropriate, quoting from the testimonies that are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God? Think it over. The Lord pronounces a woe upon all false shepherds. In Jeremiah 23, 1-2, I read, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock, and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Then again in Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19, Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture? But ye must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures, and to have drunk of the deep waters? But ye must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. Friend, God is going to bring great woe upon these false pastors. At such a time as this, what is the duty of God's faithful ministers? Isaiah shouts, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Isaiah 58, 1. And in Testimonies, Volume 1, page 321, the servant of the Lord admonishes, in this fearful time, just before Christ is to come the second time, God's faithful preachers will have to bear a still more pointed testimony then was born by John the Baptist. A responsible, important work is before them, and those who speak smooth things God will not acknowledge as his shepherds. A fearful woe is upon them." Unquote. Thus, to the congregations filled with the laymen of modern Israel, 
I quote this from the Testimonies to Ministers, page 410. Let no soul complain of the servants of God who have come to them with a heaven-sent message. Do not any longer pick flaws in them, saying, They are too positive. They talk too strongly. They may talk strongly, but is it not needed? God will make the ears of the hearers tingle if they will not heed his voice or his message. He will denounce those who resist the word of God, unquote. As we face this final crisis, we read in Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 84, Men may get up scheme after scheme, and the enemy will seek to seduce souls from the truth. But all who believe that the Lord has spoken through Sister White and has given her a message will be safe from the many delusions that will come in these last days, unquote. How sad that Ellen White had to write the following letter, written to those who would diminish her work, which was authored by the Holy Spirit. I quote, I have tried to do my duty to you and to the Lord Jesus, whom I serve and whose cause I love. The testimonies I have borne you have in truth been presented to me by the Lord. I am sorry that you have rejected the light given. Are you betraying your Lord because in his great mercy he has shown you just where you are standing spiritually? He knows every purpose of the heart. Nothing is hid from him. It is not I whom you are betraying. It is not I against whom you are so embittered. It is the Lord who has given me a message to bear to you. Unquote. Then in the same year, 1903, she wrote those who would give up their faith in the testimonies. Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 84. One thing is certain, those Seventh-day Adventists who take their stand under Satan's banner will first give up their faith in the warnings and reproofs contained in the testimonies of God's Spirit, unquote. Rather than neglecting the Bible and the testimonies, let us eagerly ask, is there any word from the Lord? As I read in Jeremiah 37, 17, the following words from the Lord are found in Ezekiel 33:11 and Jeremiah 22, 29. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I will have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? O earth, 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 hear, the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our loving Father, 
Forgive thy people who have invited the power of Satan to enter our church through celebration with so-called Christian rock music and drama and the use of drums and with dancing. Open the eyes of our leaders who are determined to force these devilish inventions upon thy dear people. Please help the faithful as they strive for a spirit of holy reverence so that all may feel thy divine presence as we worship. Give us, O God, a ministry that will preach end-time messages from thy word, the Bible, and the spirit of prophecy. Awaken our pastors to give us sermons that will help us to prepare to be ready for the coming crisis. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. One by one. 